In the mid 15th century, Fra Moro, a Venetian monk, was commissioned by King Alfonso of Portugal to make a map of the world. Known for his cartography skills, Moro produced a map drawn on parchment over six feet by six feet that included Asia, the Indian Ocean, Africa, Europe, and the Atlantic. The Fra Moro map, considered to be one of the most important works in the history of cartography, embraced a more scientific way of making maps, placing accuracy ahead of traditional beliefs. With its hundreds of detailed illustrations and more than 3,000 descriptive texts, it was the most detailed and accurate representation of the world that had been produced up until that time. Moro was a stickler for precision when it came to his map making. He was the first to depict Japan as an island. He was also the first European to show that you could sail all the way around Africa. But Moro was also a storyteller at heart, and his map illustrated that, literally. If you were to take a close look at Moro's map, you would find rubies, pearls, diamonds, and other quote-unquote notable things, along with a host of exotic animals, troglodytes, seven-headed serpents, and fish that can puncture the ships with a spike they have on their backs. He even included a lake on an island in the Indian Ocean that could turn iron into gold. In the accompanying annotation, Fra Moro hastily explained that he didn't believe a word of this story. In other words, even the most accurate map produced wasn't accurate. I leave research in the matter to those who are curious about such things, he said. And on this episode, we're gonna look into the world of maps and why we should not take them at face value. Let's think significantly. Hello, everyone. I'm Melissa. I'm joined by my co-host and podcast navigator, Pete. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm genuinely thrilled to be here with you to discuss the surprisingly fascinating world of maps. As promised, we are going to be diving into the world of maps and talk about why you have good reason to be skeptical about that blue road. We're also going to talk about how we should temper our skepticism because, turns out, we're not all that map literate. So is it the wonky map or is it our inability to locate Kentucky? Or, or maybe both. Mm. Um, Pete, mm. I know that we normally start out defining what it is that we're going to be talking about, but I think that if I say map illiterate, like our audience is probably going to have a good idea of what, what we're talking about. I, I figured we'd start talking about wonky maps. Oh, we'll get to that. I, I do promise you. Just, just oh. put a pin in that. Okay, deal, deal. We'll, we'll table the the map specific talk for now and get into why your label of map illiterate is so accurate. So, I mean, my apologies. I mean, I don't want to throw you off from, 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 I don't want to deviate from what you thought we were going to do, but I, I'm telling you, I have to get this out because there is going to be a call to action following this podcast. A call to, a call to action. Yes. You, you think, you think everyone's going to do a quick check on whether or not they know their geography. I, I think everyone should just, just to check. Just to check. Okay. Well, well, hit me. Let's go. All right. Perhaps it's just that I challenged myself with a blank map and I, I need a little refresher. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, here we go. So what I uncovered in preparation for this episode is that um, in 2018, so not that long ago, the real estate company Movado conducted a study to see if Americans knew their geography. So here's the spoiler. Uh, we don't. 
<laughs> they asked 400 people to use a computer cursor to identify the 50 states in about five seconds each. And then they watched the real time results like from their own map, which showed, of course, as you can imagine, everybody's mouse moving as they work to identify the appropriate states. And to put it very mildly, the results were very discouraging. So we're, we're talking about people who live in America trying to identify different states like like my kids had to do in like fifth grade, right? Yes. Like how, how discouraging were the results? Okay, well, uh, let's start with the good news first. So the good news is, is that out of this 400, most people had an easy time identifying like those very iconic or uniquely shaped states. Think about like mm -hmm. California, Texas, so big, Florida, Alaska, Hawaii, bunch of islands. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But outside of that, mm -mm. nope, not so much. So like if I asked if the, if the thing popped up and said, where's Virginia, lots of people selected Kentucky or North Carolina, Mississippi got confused with Alabama, Louisiana, even Arkansas, which, which doesn't have a coastline. <laughs> and the Midwest was just a weep show. And uh, in regard to New England, honestly, the only thing that people could really settle on was where Maine was at, but come on, it's the Northeastern tip of the country, right? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to mess up. And that is that is terribly discouraging. And yes. maybe I'm underestimating the difficulty of identifying these places because I've I visited or even lived in several that you just named. But I, I really didn't realize that we struggled so much with this as a country. Yeah. Uh, so but here's the thing. Um, these results uh, seem to be replicated no matter what year, <laughs> like the study seems to be happening. So. Um, in 2006, that's a weird way to say that. How about 2006? Um, <laughs> ne next week, we'll talk about how to say numbers. All right, good. Uh, so 2006, National Geographic had this geographic literacy survey. And so they polled Americans 18 to 24, and they realized that only 50% of folks could identify New York. And wow. 43% could locate Ohio, which, okay, like, oh, Ohio, like, I, yeah, and, and 94% yeah. could locate the U.S. on a global map, which means 6% people couldn't even find the damn country <laughs> on yeah. a global map. These are that's, Americans who yeah, live that's, here. That's brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this means that from, from, you said 2006, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So from 2006 to 2018, we didn't get better at reading maps. But, but to be devil's advocate, that that's only two examples. Maybe, maybe they're not giving us an accurate picture. I mean, I, I agree with you, right? I'm always like, okay, well, you know, because these studies too, you think about where's the bias in these, like what's going mm -hmm. on. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to quote from a very scholarly place, BuzzFeed. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm pulling out the big guns going right to the academic material. Right, yeah. So apparently there was this other, I'm going to say quote unquote study. I hate to even call that. Basically a BuzzFeed <laughs> writer. Uh -huh. It was like kind of like man on the street, I guess, but a uh -huh. piece of paper. Asked people to draw a US map on a blank sheet of paper. And, you know, that was just, that was just a circus because like entire swaths of, of land were just missing. There were lots of question marks, lots of I don't knows. 
it was just this vacant void of wasteland in between, you know, like New Jersey and California. Like the rest of it was like, you know, and maybe they got Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I doubt, I doubt Jersey even made most of the maps. Well, right. I was just trying to be kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. And, and as I was getting ready for this episode, I discovered that uh, New Mexico magazine runs an ongoing column recounting stories of Americans who were unaware that New Mexico is a state at all, which seems oh. funny until you realize that these people are working as bank tellers, postal workers, travel agents. I mean, you name it. Right. They're, they're you know, they're the people we, to, to quote Sesame Street, they're the people we see every day on the street. <laughs> right. And, and they have no idea that, that there's a state called New Mexico. I wonder if they thought it was Mexico. Like, you just, you've got to be wondering what's going through their brains. You know what I'm saying? Not much. Yeah. So, I mean, Albuquerque. Hello. Right. <laughs> right. They have all the Bugs hot Bunny. air balloons. Yeah. I mean, right. where do they think that's at? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating and scary all at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And your mention of BuzzFeed brings me to something that I encountered while I was getting ready. And, and I have to tell you, our issues aren't confined to just knowing 50 states. I, I, I'm, are you going to tell me that this is, we can't recognize other countries too, or? That's pretty much exactly what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, this does not surprise me at all. I, I just happened to tune into the amazing race and they were like, like one of the challenges was, you know, countries in the European union and everyone's like, how about England? I'm like, what do you think Brexit was? What, what <laughs> Britain exit? Like what, right. what was that? It was a fancy way to talk about breakfast. Right. Yes. Right. It's like, it was, it was in. running out without paying your bill. <laughs> Brexit. Yes, exactly. Well, so what I came across was uh, the knowledgeacademy.com quizzed over 6,000 people's knowledge to see which countries we struggled to place on a map the most. I'm not familiar with Knowledge Academy. The knowledgeacademy.com? The knowledgeacademy.com. Yes, right, correct. Now, now I'm freaking curious. I'll look after we record. Go ahead. Yes. Six, over yeah. 6,000 people. That's quite a bit. Okay, go ahead. That is. That's a, that's a pretty good sample. Yeah. So, so coming into the top of the list is Indonesia. 83% of the participants in their study couldn't correctly map it, uh, okay. dis despite there being Bali, Jakarta, Lombok, all being popular tourist attractions there. Okay. They found that even though people are visiting, <laughs> they're not bringing back any knowledge. They're just bringing back good memories. All right. They just don't, they have no one. It's like, uh, where in the heck are you, San? What is it? Carmen San Diego? Carmen San Diego, right. Yeah. yeah. So they don't know where they're at, but they're having a damn good time. It's all those umbrella right. drinks. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's probably too many of those. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Huh. So that surprised me a little bit. Um, okay. I feel like anyone who's ever played the board game Risk should be able to identify Japan. Yeah. But 62% of the people couldn't locate that. Yeah. And, and I don't even think that that's the most egregious member of the top 10. What do you mean by top 10 places that people couldn't identify? That's right. Yes. The top, the top 10 most misidentified. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking Japan, it has such a, like a distinct shape. I know. Right I'm, in the middle of the water. Like, I don't it's, know. It's similar to Hawaii in that it's kind of unique out there. Right. Okay. But that's not the, okay. So that's not the one I think is the worst. No. Okay. So what's the worst one? Canada. Shut up. Yeah. Wait, are these Americans that were pulled? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Oh my Canada. It's like right above us, man. It's the, I know. It's our attic neighbor. It's the true north. 
Right. It's it was the tenth most misidentified country. Oh my god. Oh my. Unless god. unless we get accused of having some sort of bias here, I just want to I want to point out that you and I, while we were having discussions about this episode, also tossed around some maps of people from outside the United States trying to label the states, and those were equally ridiculous. Yeah, but give them a pass. They don't live here, man. <laughs> that you make you make a valid point. I mean, they, it's probably yeah. They haven't like driven through these places. They might have visited, but yeah, they're not like oh, Texas takes three days. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, God. right, and we're all that's just one country to them. Why would you know knowing the states is like a next level stuff? Yeah, we're I'm trying to get people it. to recognize Japan. Forget about the districts. Right. Oh, I stop. Just stop. Yeah, <laughs> people thought that Africa was a country. I hear that a lot. I honestly, I the study, I don't think asked that, but it probably would have been disappointing as well. <laughs> I hear that a lot, like Africa. And I'm like, there's 54 countries in Africa. Yeah. It's a continent. Yeah. 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 Um, but, you know, this the whole familiarity thing, you're saying that like, you know, people have probably gone to France or Germany. I mean, so there was that 2006 poll that, that found that, you know, after three years of combat, and like 2000 fatalities of US personnel in Iraq, most Americans, a majority of Americans aged 18 through 24 couldn't find Iraq on a map. That's yeah, that's, I mean, we'd only, we were, I was fairly young into the war. Uh, what was that five years into the war at that point, but. I, okay, I love how you're trying to be this advocate for these people, but the bottom line is people need to brush up their <coughs> skills. I mean, I, I'm just saying, I will guarantee everyone freaking knows where your friend of mine Ukraine is right now so yeah uh well you know what I wouldn't I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on that but all right but I'd bet more than I would have a month ago yeah yeah that's true but back to some follow-up questions from the knowledgeacademy.com uh just to kind of round that out I feel like you're plugging them is this some sponsor I, I don't know about uh, if <laughs> if if there was a sponsor I'd have my my uh my soothing voice on or whatever you know <laughs> got it all right so they found that 52% of their respondents said that they were never taught about these countries in school. And 76% thought more should be done to get students familiarized with international geography. Oh, they were saying they hadn't learned it in school. I see. Right, right. Yeah. Somebody else's fault, of course. <laughs> well, you know what that what's interesting to me about that is actually here I go trying to be, you know, an advocate for them because did you know that in 1930s-ish, uh the 1930s ish we'll speak we'll speak about this on that, my how to pronounce dec- numbers right yeah. decades ish yeah yes. go ahead um geography actually was replaced in school by social studies so this meant like less focus on actual geography for teachers like where you could find things on the map and mm-hmm. more about you know granted i love a good social studies class like that's my jam um you know about the cultures and about the language and about their political systems and how things interwork and interweb so it is possible that they didn't learn it in school yeah i remember having social studies classes when i was in school i didn't really think much of the the name of it but yeah it's true we uh that's the kind of stuff we focused on the cultural more than the the hard science of geography mm-hmm. and and we see this this deficit in education manifests in adulthood when people can't i don't know say identify the 50 states on a map right or this actually has that. a yeah <laughs> right can't or can't, or can't, right can't where can't. the one where the one country to our north is <laughs> right but th- this actually has a bigger impact mm-hmm. experts say that the lack of familiarity with their geographic place in the world 
makes it difficult for many Americans to relate to events occurring around the country and across the globe. I'm, I'm going to tell you this happened to me just this very week. Speaking of, I heard somebody spout off about the Ukraine and like, what does it matter, Russia? And I was like, you need to get a map and see how close. I mean, we, haha, you know, we've even talked on this podcast about the SNL making fun of Saturday Night Live, making fun of Sarah Palin about seeing mm-hmm. Russia mm-hmm. in her backyard, but that's correct. You can. <laughs> so right. um, just saying. Yeah, it's um, right there. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with you. Like it has bigger ramifications because if you don't understand the placement, uh, just the, the positioning of the world that we're living in, it is very difficult to make decisions about how to manage it. Like when you're talking about resources and land and transportation, cultural relations, energy, you're, you're working yeah. off of partial knowledge. So you're doing yourself a disservice for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. And, and I know that we jump right into, we can't find Kentucky on a map, but did you know that National Geographic has actually defined geographic literacy or geo-literacy as they refer to it? Okay, by the way, I can find Kentucky on a map. It's right below Ohio. Yeah. I Kentucky. Learned it in- Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, Kentucky is one of the places I lived, so I can find that one pretty easy. There you go. Yes. And, and to its south, Tennessee. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah, there you I go. Know, You're on a I roll. Know some parts of the state. Yeah. Um, no, geo-literacy. I, well, now I feel bad that we didn't define this at the top of the hour because that is normally our protocol. But are you going to tell me how they defined geo-literacy? Sure, I will. It's the ability to use geographic understanding and geographic reasoning to make far-reaching decisions. Mm-hmm. It relies on three conceptual pillars. The way systems interact with one another across time and space. The way people and places are connected and form a dynamic network. And the way we make decisions based on how well we understand the interaction and connection of the first two pillars. I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's like what we're saying. Like you can't, if you don't know your place in the world, you're going to have a hard time just understanding all the interconnectedness of it. But that was, it's a very scholarly way of them sort of packaging that. So I'm I'm appreciative of that. Yeah. 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 They're coming through for us on this one. (laughs) You should have kicked us off with that. You should have been like, no, no. You should have been like, I'm welcome back, Cotter. That's, wow, that's dating myself, right? Okay, I was a small seedling when that came out, okay? Sure, sure. Yes, I watched the uh, reruns late at night. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, But what you're telling me is like, I'm thinking to myself, did not last episode, we're talking about how like we shouldn't teach to the test. And now I'm thinking to myself, I think we should be teaching to the test when it comes to geography. There should be a test on this. Well, yes, there should be. A You're probably right about that. But but we don't do ourselves any favors sometimes with the way we name things either. But the way we name these, like, a, yeah. like you were just consulted recently on this newfound country and you're like, what shall we call it? And well, no, like, not oh. the right. These the names that have that have been given to these places, these social constructs of countries. Yeah, the names that we give them are are not helpful when you're trying to recall them sometimes. Can you give me an example? Because I'm like a little floundering about what this means right now. Sure. Um, okay, so a good example would be, uh, you know, roughly where uh, South America is, right? I'm going to say it's South of North America. That makes sense, right? Okay. It's, it's right there in the name. Am it's, I right? Okay. It, you are. You are Woo! correct, but okay. n- not exactly correct. Okay. Because all, almost all of the South American continent is east of Florida. 
Okay, sure. So, so if you're asked to recall from memory, it makes sense that you would say it's south of North America, north, south, boom, binary. Mm-hmm. But it's not a again, it's not hundred percent accurate. It's not it's not called Southeast America, right? So if you're you know trying to pull that out of memory, you're not going to remember the exact position uh, relative to the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, you know, climate can play a part too. Uh, like since the Gulf Stream carries warm air from the Gulf of Mexico up to Europe, you know, giving it weather that closely resembles the United States, most people assume incorrectly that it's essentially like to the east of us. But in reality, mm-hmm. it's on the same latitude as Canada. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, there are a lot of misconceptions around Africa as well. Right. North Americans tend to think of Africa as located almost entirely in the southern hemisphere, like South America is. Mm-hmm. But actually, two thirds of Africa is north of the equator. Right. We are just all confused on that Africa, aren't we? Yeah. No, we're, we are not. We are not good at this map thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, do, so to your point, um, you know, we think that Europe is to the east of us, but actually Africa is more aligned with us than Europe by like a long shot. Yeah. And it isn't only the positions of countries that we get wrong habitually. We also are awful at understanding the sizes of countries. But at least we have a pretty good understanding of why that is. You're going to you're going to tell me it, it's because of the how we learn them looking the map we used in order to learn that or or not to learn geography as the case might be because we're <laughs> <laughs> right right. It's the That's one we're a, most exposed to let's put it that yes way. yes 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 right what you're talking about is the is the mercator map mm-hmm. which is the most common world map used in classrooms for a while now mm-hmm. well if only we could work off that moral map that i started with because i tell you it's a beautiful map it's got a lot of razzle dazzle to it you know I, i'll tell you seven headed serpents would definitely hold my attention more than uh more than our pastel map would i like the lake on an island turning like i was like this is fascinating Turning iron to gold yeah yeah right like yeah. cool there's some people that would need to check that place out for sure. I'm sure they have already checked it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, probably so. But um, yeah, so interestingly, I don't know if you know this part because I didn't mention it in the beginning, but the Moro map, like he crafted that by having, as all the like tradesmen came into port, he mm. would listen to their stories. And mm. that's how he was able to, you know, form this pretty cool map. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was used for navigation. Um, but I know that the marketer map, right? Mercator, mm. Mercator map. Um, yeah. you know, the reason we use that is because of navigation also. So I'm like, uh, you know. Yeah, I think the advantage of the Mercator map uh is also what ends up making it wonky mm-hmm. because it it's taking the earth, which is a as we all know around a spherical object Mm -hmm. and projecting that image onto a flat surface. Mm -hmm. And for the sake of the ease of navigation, the goal for that map was to keep North consistently at the top of the map and South consistently at the bottom of the map. So you weren't like having to twist your map around in all kinds of funky directions to figure out where you were headed. Mm -hmm. Now, what that does is it causes some distortions of size and locations of countries. And I, and I know you're familiar with this. Sure. I think anyone looking at a map is pretty familiar with this. The, the point I want to say, though, is this. Who says that the north has to be at the top? Because that moral map, by the way, south was at the top of it. Yeah. 
which was an indicator really of like who Mora was having his conversations with. When they came in, you know, they were telling of these stories. So he put that right at the top of the map. So it really just depends on your vantage point and who you're talking to. But back to your point about it causing distortion, you know, if you look at that map that we're all so familiar with, that's hanging in every classroom in America, mm-hmm. you think that like, oh, Greenland, Africa, like they're roughly the same size. You know, they're taking up the same amount of space on the freaking map. Yeah. I mean, they look, they look almost identical on the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, size-wise anyway. Yeah. And, and they certainly are not. They're not even close. Africa is roughly, ready? Hold on. 14 times larger than Greenland. No, you would never think that. But then again, people don't know it. There's 54 countries tucked in Africa. <laughs> right, so, right, you know, when right, you think of it like right. that, you're like, well, it is probably right. bigger than Greenland. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a that's a massive discrepancy. Mm-hmm. And they do they do a similar thing with Russia. Right. Yeah. When you look at it when you look at the map, you look especially recently right in the news. Everyone's yeah. in Russia these days. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's huge. Like compared to the United States, they're similar in size in actuality. You know, what happens is all of those land masses just get stretched as you get closer to the poles. Right. Exactly. That's the that's the trade off for making north consistently at the top of the map sheet. Mm -hmm. I would bet a lot of people are thinking right now, well, that's messed up. They should use a better map, one that doesn't give us these false notions. Mm -hmm. But there's a problem with that, right? Because there really is no such thing as a perfect map. Because as long as you're not a flat earther, you know that the world is round. And so when you go... (laughs) And if you are a flat earther, you're probably not listening to us anyways. <laughs> so sorry to offend that one person who accidentally tuned in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, when you, take the, when you take the globe, right, and then you try to flatten it, you know, you're going to have some problems. Yes, it's going to look weird. It's going to look weird. Yes. Right. Yeah, that, that flat map projection is also going to distort our sense of space and distance. For example, looking at the map, you'd think that the shortest distance to travel between the United States and China would be to go directly east or west, mm-hmm. when in fact, the shortest way is to go north. And that's that's not obvious on a flat map. Definitely not. And I think also calling it, you know, referring to eastern and western, like say medicine and things like that makes yeah, us yeah. think. Yeah, that we should just head that way. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, th- hopefully airline pilots know that the shortest way to go is north. I'm hoping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully. <laughs> Otherwise, you're gonna be racking up some miles, and uh, you know, the cost and, and is your cool. flight, right, right, your flight's gonna be tremendously longer than it should be. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I was gonna say that uh, a lot of maps use symbolization to distort reality as well, and this might not mm-hmm. really seem like a big deal because we're just so accustomed to it. But, you know, in reality, the states are not different shades of pastel, uh, right? (laughs) And you, you know, we've all probably heard the story, even if it is sort of like uh, an old wives tale about, you know, people in planes and they're, they're like, we're now crusting into Iowa. And they're like, it's not pink, mommy. You know, (laughs) and you're like, right. It's not, it's not. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, yeah. That's, it's quite an eye-opening experience especially for those pilots who are (laughs) (laughs) that's right every time they go up every time they're surprised (laughs) east to west just to get to china yeah (laughs) crazy but no the the states are not colored and i I know so far we've been talking about paper maps Uh uh-huh but these limitations apply to digital maps as well right my my gps 
which I rely on whenever I'm traveling, mm -hmm. gives me a clean look at roadways and tells me, you know, traffic situations even. Mm -hmm. And that technology is amazingly helpful. Not only does it keep me on the right path that I want to be on, mm -hmm. but with a few touches, I can have the map populated with gas stations, with motels, with places to eat that are along my route. With places that sell sundries? Such, yes. Sun, if should I need sundries? Yes, I'm sure I could populate my map with sundries. You, you could, yes. And that digital control also helps you from being overwhelmed with information, right? Because mm -hmm. you can just filter out everything but gas stations. Right. I, I have absolutely done this before when down to less than fumes, I'm like, I don't care where the Krispy Kreme is at. Like, I just need an Exxon. Thank you so much. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, if you, if you didn't have that ability to kind of sort through that information, you'd just kind of be overwhelmed. So some of these little deceptions are, I'm going to say yet necessary. Uh, they're at least useful. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, the deceptiveness of maps isn't always benign, like the examples we've used so far. Maps can be intentionally distorted by anyone who has an agenda for any number of reasons in any number of ways. Sure. I was waiting for this part of the episode. We always get to this part where we're like, but there's a dark side, folks. And you were so damn cheery in the beginning. You're like, it's okay if people can't find Iowa. Who cares? And I was like, no, no, no. So we're finally there. The dark side. Yes. Okay. The yeah. Dark side. Yeah. Unfortunately, we bring that up because we're thinking significantly, right? right. It's, it's true. There, there are many examples of maps that are drafted by those trying to push a particular point of view and are willing to use the easy misrepresentations of a map to do so. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of the, um, the maps used by, by the cellular companies to show the mm -hmm. nationwide coverage versus their competitors. Yeah, so each company seems to have an example of the exact same map that covers the entire country and their competitors is splotchy and mostly empty spaces. And you're like, yeah. how is this possible? Right, right, right. And no matter which one you go into, the maps look I like ours is great and theirs is terrible. And that's <laughs> that's actually a perfect example because the maps used have to maintain a certain level of truth or else they open themselves up to be sued by the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, but they can sift and sort data in a way that paints a very different picture without being technically dishonest. I think this is anything, right? You know, any any type of data points, you absolutely can be like, well, what this is showing. But um, so what you're talking about, though, the, about the mm -hmm. cellular carrier depicting uh -huh. the entire county having 5G access. Um, yeah, if it's available in any part of that county, that's uh, what they call ecological fallacy in the world of maps. How about that? That's <laughs> It has a name. It has a name. Ecological yeah. fallacy. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it could do that. It could fill in a whole county with, with something that's only available in part of the county. Right. Or, or it could not differentiate between the speed of coverage in different areas. Mm -hmm. Or may not even differentiate between data and voice coverage. So you may have, you may be able to make a phone call on that back road way out of town. Mm -hmm. But you're not checking Facebook. Mm -hmm. but the map is going to tell you that they have coverage there. 
Right. And you shouldn't be checking Facebook when you're on the back roads of anywhere or anywhere. No, really, you really shouldn't be checking really, Facebook at you all. You really shouldn't. Just just no. wait a second. That bagel that your neighbor posted, it's not all that <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, it's it's just locks, guys. It's yeah. just locks. Just locks. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with these maps, actually, I mean, it's funny, right? We're laughing about it. But the problem's gotten to be so bad that in, in May of 2021, the FCC had to step in to commission a map of their own comparing the four largest cellular carriers' coverage with consistent parameters. I did not know that. That's crazy. That's, that is crazy. When you think of all the things that are going on in the world, they found that it was important for them to, to create this consistently looking or, or consistently graded map with all the carriers on it. And mm -hmm. you know what? It right. looks a lot the same between all four of them. Well, well, I'm going to go look this up because now I'm fascinated. But also I'm like, May of 21? Like, this is the, probably the most accurate information that was being spewed at that time that you could rely on. <laughs> Everyone's like, I got no idea what's going on politically. I got no idea what's going on with the virus. But damn that's it, right. I know where my phone I, that's right. coverage is. Yes. I know T-Mobile cuts out when I cross the border into Nebraska. That, that green state, as soon as you cross that line. Right? <laughs> yes. That's right. T-Mobile works good in the blue ones and the yellow ones, but not so good in the green ones. In the green ones. <laughs> All right. So how about we pull this together and uh, talk through what this means for us and what we can do about it? Oh, please do. I, when, when, you know, you, you're talking about loving when we're, or, or realizing that we always get to that dark part. I love when we get to the part where we talk about arming ourselves with knowledge so tell me what your thoughts are the part where we help people yes that's right the part yeah. where we give you things to use in the world yes that we've just recently learned that we could use in the world <laughs> yes too true yeah that, that's what it really is yes all right so i have some ideas all right so number one i'm gonna say stop reducing geography to maps so maps are a tool they illustrate information they communicate information but just understand maps are a subjective representation of the world, right? When you're looking at a map, you have to question it. You have to question it just like you're questioning everything else. What is this map persuading me to do in some way? And one way of figuring that out is to figure out who made the map. Is it T-Mobile? Like you're probably gonna have an idea of what the slant is on it. Mm -hmm. um, I would say also, you know, we're living in this very complex world. Admit it, find a way to process it. When we see the world as this very oversimplified, flat, rectangular world map, you know, nothing's going to change. We really have to embed interactivity, connectivity, implication in our knowledge in order to process complexity. We just have yeah. to be comfortable with dealing with hairy, furry, toothy, gnarly stuff. Yep. And then to go back to what you were saying earlier is like, Think about how your piece of the world fits into the big world, the big world with a big W, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the very image of what the world is should be more of a 3D interactive movie than this flat, boring, north at the top map hanging <laughs> on your classroom wall in your fifth grade schoolroom. I mean, the bus ride you took in the morning to go to school, the landscape you've seen from the window, the place described in the novel you're reading. The, the place that has the best truffles, like, you know, in the world, like, <laughs> like, you know, the imaginary map of the video game. Yeah. They're all forms of, of geo literacy. Mm -hmm. 
you know more about the world than you think. Now it's just a matter of being provided with the right educational resources to help develop and complete that knowledge, to build connections with other worlds, to integrate interactively and understand the patterns behind them. Only then will we be able to make informed decisions. Right, about all those things we were talking about earlier. And even if you're not in charge of like energy resources or like building new roads, you're just going to become a more informed person. You're going to become a better citizen. Right. And for goodness sake, here comes the call to action. After oh. you listen to this podcast, print yourself out a blank map of the 50 states and see if you can pencil in all of them. Because I'm going to tell you, I checked myself before I wrecked myself. And I was like, huh, I got down to the last handful. And I'm like, huh, okay, well, uh, hmm, yeah. So I needed some brushing up too. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe travel to Africa and work on the work on the countries over there and then come back and report out and tell us how well you did yeah if you can figure out where all those 54 countries are in africa like let us know we'll send you a mug yes yes <laughs> yes yeah sure yeah, we can do that yes yeah, so speaking of telling us uh as always we'd like to have you connect with us on social media yeah reach out to us and share and i'll tell you how i did and I hope to do better than, than it sounds like Melissa did. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. You already have a mug, Pete. All right. <laughs> I do. It's a great mug. It is a big mug. It's sturdy. It is. It holds a lot of liquid. Well, I love my mug. When you think significantly, you have to drink significantly. Hello. You, yeah. yeah, that's, that's a, it's, a, it's a rule. It's a rule. Yes. All right. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ThinkSigPod and on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching for Think Significantly. If you enjoyed our conversation, please invite your curious friends to listen or any friends that can't read a map. <laughs> we'll be back next week to explore another way we can question everything. And until then, we encourage everyone to think significantly about the world around you. Uh, na, 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 na.